Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Auburn Tax Talk. I'm your host, Jack White, and today we'll be covering one of the largest frauds in U.S. history. With me are a few other people. I'm Wood Wright. Margaret Lividay. Carly Hughes. And we're going to be looking at the tax fraud of Walter Anderson. Margaret, tell us about Walter Anderson. So Anderson strung together a network of offshore companies that he used to hide his money. He ended up owing over $200 million in taxes to the government, which made this the largest tax evasion scheme. And he ended up getting caught in around 2005. A little bit about his background and personal life. He was a lifelong resident of the DC, Maryland, Virginia area. He came from very humble beginnings and he actually got the last name Anderson at the age of 12 after his parents went through a divorce and he chose to take his mother's name. A few years later, he tried attending various local colleges, but he never graduated. He alleged that this is because they didn't suit him and he should have been at an elite school like MIT. Anderson never married, but he had an international network of girlfriends, one of whom he had living in a 19,000 square foot mansion in Madrid that was owned by one of his companies. Moving on to his business history, he briefly worked at the lower levels of telecom companies before striking out on his own to replicate their success. His earliest company, Mid-Atlantic, was slow to take off and had frequent disputes with their auditors, KPMG, about accounting principles and going concern status. Now we're going to dig a little bit deeper into his main business and the fraudulent activities that he was involved in. In 2005, Anderson was arrested at Dulles International Airport in Virginia and indicted by a grand jury under allegations of using offshore, offshore corporations in Panama and the British Virgin Islands. But that raises the question of how he got there from simply owning a telecommunications company. It all began with the sale of his original company that we talked about, Mid-Atlantic. In the early 90s, amid the questionable status of that company, Mid-Atlantic, and increase into his personal tax returns, Anderson began shifting assets to the Caribbean in various tax havens. Probably his earliest scheme was when he transferred his controlling interest in a massive telecoms company, Mid-Atlantic, to a shell company, Gold and Appel, in a Caribbean tax haven. This came just days before Mid-Atlantic had a massive sale. When the sale was made, this company recorded the income, not Anderson. A letter from a law firm disclosed the exact nature of the scheme. Anderson would give this offshore company, Golden Appel, an option to buy his shares in Mid-Atlantic for three cents a share. The offshore company would then exercise these options. Then Anderson, who had total control of the shell company, would exercise another option to buy Golden Appel, the shell company, for a nominal price. The letter alleged this trading all began before it seemed likely that Mid-Atlantic would sell. However, when Mid-Atlantic sold, Golden Appel received over $4 million in stock. Another scheme that occurred later on involved circuitous stock sales for another one of Anderson's companies, Telco. Here's how it works. Telco bought 25,000 of its shares from Anderson. The next day, it sold six and a half million shares to Iceberg Transport, another shell company, this one based in Panama. 
finally, the shares were transferred to one of Iceberg's wholly owned subsidiaries. You guessed it, Golden Appel. The legitimacy of both Iceberg and Golden Appel's management was heavily called into question, and Anderson claimed to know nothing about the company's directors and owners. The only director of Golden Appel was a management consulting company that offers its services as a director for hire. Anderson also heavily entwined his tax-exempt foundation into his business affairs, including having them conduct research that likely aided his private endeavors and purchasing a company he had been interested in personally acquiring. After his arrest, he was ordered to be held in jail, jail until his trial. Days before the trial, he still claimed he was innocent. He said that moving the money to the offshore accounts was just the first phase of his plan to change the world by fighting for arms control, advocating for human rights, promoting family planning, and encouraging space exploration. When was phase two of the plan supposed to start? The year after he was caught. Anderson said he had lost all interest in money because he had a place to live and money for food. He went to court in 2008 on charges of fraud and tax evasion. He pled guilty to two counts of tax evasion and one count of fraud and was sentenced to 108 months, about nine years, for the tax evasion charges and four years for fraud. A couple of experts gave their opinions on the matter while the case was ongoing. Washington-based internal tax lawyer Jack Bloom claims that the paper trail was obvious to follow and that if the IRS had a modicum of common sense, they would have called the fraud a long time ago. However, the IRS claimed that in those cases where we have to start from ground zero and attempt to construct a financial history of these individuals and trace these funds and trace the nominee names and trace the layered transactions, that is a very tedious, time-intensive effort, and it can take years. So we see that the IRS kind of defends uh, their treatment of it and how long it took to catch it, but other people found it to be pretty obvious and a bit absurd that they didn't get it already. So here are a few crazy facts about Walter Anderson. Um, in 1998, he admitted earning more than $126 million but he only claimed 60, around $67,000 on his federal income tax return and only paid 495 bucks. And then later on, in, um, because of a typo in his plea agreement, he was relieved of paying around $175 million in his restitution. He still had to pay about $23 million in restitution to the District of Columbia. Um, also, another pretty weird fact uh, – he had some weird behavior in prison. Um, he was accused of contraband because he had a cell phone in prison with access to Wi-Fi and could call overseas, um, which is pretty crazy because kind of the whole reason he was in prison was hiding money overseas, and he still had access to call overseas while he was in prison with a phone. Um, in 2000, he put up $20 million, around 32 $32.6 million today for adjusted for inflation um, to save the space station. He originally hoped to lease it to companies for private research, but eventually settled on using it for space tourism and filming a reality TV show. As you might have guessed, out it did not work out. Um, the last crazy fact is um, his alleged alias was a prank. His fake passport was so obviously artificial that it could, couldn't be counted against him and the book on disappearing from the government was merely due to an interest in forensic sciences. Pretty crazy guy. Walter Anderson was arrested and went to trial in 
2006, where he pleaded not guilty. He eventually admitted to hiding $365 million of income during the 90s, getting a fine of $400 million and was sentenced to 13 years in prison. He continued to state that he was not guilty and claimed he only pleaded guilty later on due to him wanting to escape the horrible conditions in the D.C. jail. Whatever the case may be, he ended up serving two and a half years in federal prison and sent the remainder of his sentence under house arrest in his parents' house in Virginia. Anderson ended up paying less than he was initially having to. He didn't have to pay an estimated 100 to 175 million of his $400 million fine because of a clerical error in his plea agreement. In the end, Anderson never repented and never gave up claiming his innocence. Walter Anderson stated nearing the end of his sentence, I am now back in the real world. I am currently on home detention at my parents' house in Virginia. I will be completely done with this ordeal on December 29th, 2012. Until then, I will not be able to travel outside of the Washington, D.C. area. But I have lots of things to work on here from now. I am going to be actively pursuing the virtual computer as a service business, which I have been planning and researching for a few years. I expect to have the beta products available for customers to try by March of 2013, but there are still lots of challenges. As he ventured into cloud computing, he claimed that the sentence he got bankrupted him, but the extensive network of offshore shell companies and bank accounts that never were fully unraveled would suggest otherwise. In the end, it's anyone's guess whether Anderson has nothing or he has vast riches hidden away somewhere. And that wraps up today's episode of Auburn Tax Talk. Thank you for listening.